Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. We'll be back in Romans 13 tonight. Had a, had a second take that, make sure I said it right the right way. Um, so I know that, at least with some of my kids anyway, and probably a lot of us in here, when we were younger probably learned the books of the Bible. And there's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I'm not going to keep going because I'll embarrass myself. Um, but you get up to Psalms and the next book is Proverbs. Tonight, in the text that we're going to be looking at in Romans chapter 13, there's something small that we need to keep in mind. And again, I know we have probably said this until, if this was a horse, there would be no horse left to beat by this point. But while the Bible does have a book of Proverbs, it is not a book of Proverbs. We're not reading the Bible looking for little proverbs to pull out and to apply to our life. There, there are, and, and again, don't get me wrong, there is a book of just proverbs in the scriptures. But tonight, part of the text that we'll be covering, at least in, from, from my perspective, has been taken out and used as a proverb when that was never Paul's intention. It was, it was almost as if I was explaining something to Reese about... When he uses a screwdriver and he takes a little piece of that and applies it to somewhere else in his life, that doesn't matter. Um, again, I, this may be a, a bad example, but if anybody in here has ever watched a, a show called Parks and Recreation, um, I don't know if anybody has or not, but anyway, there's a, there's a part of that show to where Ron Swanson is the guy with the, he's got a beard, he's just like supposed to be like the manly man guy. And there's another guy that he is the, basically he's a town manager. And the town manager is getting ready to have a baby. So he goes to Ron and asks him for advice on how to make a crib. Well, everything that Ron tells him in how to make a crib, you know, we have to cut it this way, have to sand it this way, have to stain it this way. He takes all of those things and he uses them as metaphors for how he's supposed to raise a child. And at the end of the day, he is completely off his rocker because he's learned all this stuff that was never meant to be learned. And that's what we have a tendency to do with this section in Romans chapter number 13. So let's look and see what Romans chapter number 13 says. Romans 13, we'll look at, be looking in verses 8, 9, and 10 tonight. And the Bible says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 10 says, love worketh no ill to him, to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And there's a lot here that we're going to try to unpack 
and per my wife's constant request, we'll make it short. <laughs> um, but there's there's a lot here that we can unpack. But when I the reason I said what I did about there being proverbs, but it not being a book of proverbs, is because even in Dave Ramsey's financial freedom class, which is not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination, he uses this text where it says, "Oh no, man, anything." He says, "All right." The Bible says. Don't owe anybody anything. That's how you should live. If you're going to do something, do it debt-free. And there's not a problem with that principle. It's not a bad thing to live debt-free. It's a lot It's a lot less stressful to live debt-free. You're not bound by certain things. And especially in a family and friend setting, it's a lot better off never to ask your family for money. It's a, not, a lot better off never to have to ask your family for money. It's a lot better off not to lend your family money. Or friends because, I think, I forget who it was that said it, but they said that when you lend family or friends something, you're really gifting it to them because you're just not going to expect it back. But what have, we, all, we have a tendency to do is take these principles on, look, you may not want to do this because it could turn out bad, or you're better off to do it this way. We take these principles and we try and find somewhere in Scripture that we can stick our own principles and our own thoughts. And that's what is a tendency to be done with this verse is if we want to if we want to hold fast and strict to the Dave Ramsey rule we're going to run to this verse and say oh no man anything the bible says don't owe anybody anything but again what ends up happening when we do that is the same thing that Ron Swanson had happen in his life he had a man walk away with a lot of metaphors that he had no reason or no thought or no comprehension that this man would ever use him telling him how to sand with the grain, not against the grain, as a principle for ruining a child. But what Paul is actually saying here in these three verses, we have outlined in the bulletin in three separate points. So we'll start out this evening looking at the first point, which is the debt that we all owe. Contrary to everything I just said, we all owe a debt. And it's not a debt that we can ever repay. Paul tells us it's a debt of love. He says, Owe no man anything but love one another. And what I want to do, because this is what, again, this is what we do, let's remember what we talked about last week. Verse number seven. What did Paul say? Legitimately, in black and white, a one sentence before this verse. Render therefore all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom is due. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. So Paul is literally saying, you are going to owe people stuff in this life. If we want to take a principle away from what Paul is saying here, if somebody is owed honor, pay him his honor. If somebody is owed tribute, pay him his tribute. If somebody is owed a book that you borrowed 15 years ago, pay them back their book. <laughs> if somebody is owed $20 and you remember, pay them back the $20. What Paul's saying is don't, don't, don't have yourself in, in a position to where people look at you and you are owing everybody everything. I think we all know those people. We can, we can think about those people in our lives, whether they intentionally did it or they are just extremely forgetful who seemingly owe everybody everything. 
What Paul is saying to us, if we're going to take a principle away from this, is not don't go get a loan for a home or don't ask a friend for something if you're in a hard place because it's what friends are for. But what Paul is saying is don't, owe, don't, don't be standing there not, not paying people what they're owed. And he, he takes this right off of verse number seven and explains what he means. We don't have to wonder what Paul's saying. We don't have to take this little snippet and put it somewhere else in the scripture because he said it right after he told us if somebody's due honor, pay them their honor. If somebody's due custom, pay them their custom. Paul is basically just telling us that we are to pay out what we owe. It's as simple as that. But he goes a little bit farther than this. And uses a word in this scripture that means to always be paying. Paul takes it for granted that we are always going to be in debt in at least one area in our life. If we do everything that we can and work three jobs and pay off every little minute detail of debt that we owe, we are still going to owe people in at least one area. And he tells us what that is. He says that we're to owe no man, but to we're to be always paying in love. He says it right there in verse number eight. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. He's saying we owe, we owe people this. And what this does, this even takes our mind back to Romans 1 and verse number 14. What did Paul say about himself in Romans 1, 14? He said, I am a debtor. And it's the exact same word when he uses the word owe here. It's the exact same word that he uses there. He says, I'm a debtor, both to the Greek and to the barbarian, to the Jew and to the Gentile, to the rich and to the poor. I am a debtor. I owe them. I'm in debt to them. And what Paul's saying to us here, when we understand the gospel, when we understand who Christ is, when we see Christ working in our lives, we are going to come to the conclusion that we are complete and utter debtors to every person that we walk by. Paul tells us that we are in debt to them in Love, And he's going to get into why this is the case. He says here that if we love one another, then we have fulfilled the law. And I don't want to give away what we get to at the third point. But remember that Paul tells us in verse 8 that we fulfill the law in this way. Because we're going to cover it again in verse number 10. And what Paul does here is he basically bookends verse Eight and verse number 10, so we can understand what he means by that word, fulfilling the law. But he tells us here, he says, love one another. Who is one another? Typically in the scriptures, when we see one another, it means people within the household of God. But what Paul does, again, he clarifies himself. Verse number nine, we not only see in verse number eight, the debt that we owe, which is love, and we're never going to pay it off, and we're going to owe it to all men. But in verse number nine, we can see the spirit above or greater than the specifics. What Paul does is he says in verse number nine, for this, what's he saying for this for? Love one another because 
Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if any other commandment, there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Paul is saying this is the spirit of the law. The law has specifics. It does. We can't get around the fact that the law has specifics. But all of these specifics come from one spirit. And I'm not saying a spirit like a spirit in us. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit. But I'm saying the spirit of what was being said when the law was put forth. If we remember back when we were covering back right after we started, we were walking through the Baptist faith and message. And when we were covering Sunday, the Sabbath, when we were covering that in the Baptist faith and message, we looked at John chapter number five. And Jesus told the Pharisees there that were trying to rebuke him for giving people corn on Sunday. He said, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not your responsibility to do this here. The Sabbath is for you. You're not, you're not, you are not submitting yourself to this list of rules that you were given. All these rules were for you. They're for you and those around you. And we can understand that all this is bound up in love. Even if we go one by one. Is it loving to commit adultery on your spouse? No. Easy no. <laughs> is it loving to kill someone? Easy no. Is it loving to steal or to lie or to covet? It's not. It's not. Even my three-year-old knows that it's not loving to steal, to kill, or to covet. He knows this. He displays that it's not loving. Every day. When one of the kids come running into the other room and say, well, so-and-so did this, they display the unloving nature of their heart. But Paul says all of the specifics of the commandment can be rounded up in the spirit of the commandment, which he says is briefly comprehended, or we can understand in a few short words, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And there's a few little things that I want to look at really quickly while we're right here. Every time you talk about you seeing stuff, somebody say you need to love your neighbor, it's always as yourself. And the scriptures aren't calling us to look down on ourselves or to press down on ourselves or to say that we are the worst people that ever lived. But the scriptures are calling us to see ourselves how God sees us in Christ and to love people the way that God sees us. When the Bible tells us to love as ourselves, it's not even necessarily saying if you are willing to eat, then you know, your neighbor needs to eat. What the Bible is telling us is that the way that God sees us, the way that God sees his children, is the way that you ought to look at other people. They may not be at this point in time God's children, but you are called to love them like they are. Yes. Mind-blowing. I know. Yes. The same thing happened to me when I was studying over this. I was like, no, that can't be right. I can't love these people that have hurt me and talked about me and said rude things to me and cut me off in traffic. I can't love them like the people I go to church with. But that's not what Paul's telling us. Paul said, 
You are to love them like God loves you. And that kind of leads us into where our focus is going to be. And the way that we can understand some of this other language that Paul uses, namely fulfilling the law. Because when we think about fulfilling the law, we think, I've got to check off this and 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 this. And then do it all again the next day. But that's not what Paul's talking here about here when he says fulfilling the law. You see, what ends up happening, and this is something that Martin Lloyd-Jones conveyed is that whenever we get caught up in the specifics of the law, we end up basically putting blinders on ourselves. He said, if you go around and you find someone who is caught up in the specifics of the law, you've got to listen to this kind of music, you've got to dress this way, you've got to use this kind of language, you can't drink, drink this, you can't look at this, you can't smoke on this. All of these specifics, and I'm not saying these things are necessarily good things. I'm not saying that it's a good thing to run, to strip off all your clothes and run around town. I'm not saying it's a good thing to go get shopping drunk and land on the highway. These are not good things. But when we get caught up on the specifics, we get tunnel vision. If I am so concerned and so consumed with the specifics of the law... I have not got any time to pay any attention to anybody else. That doesn't mean that I dislike the person over here or I dislike this person over here or I dislike the person who may be sitting in the very back. I know I'm just using random chairs, but that doesn't mean that I'm just a horrible person in that sense. That I'm just an unkind person. But what you'll notice is there are people who seem to be unloving towards People they're around towards people even in their own church context. There's people that we've all met and seen at the at a restaurant who are just miserable. They're they're short, not short in stature, but they're short in their in their temper. And you look around like, well, I think they might be a Christian because they're kind of dressed like weirdos, but they're not acting like one. That's what comes to mind. But that's what happens when we major on the specifics. Those people may be, when you get them alone and they're not consumed by having to put on such a show, they may be sweet, wonderful personalities. They may be. But what happens and what can even happen to us if we start to misunderstand what the scriptures are saying, what happens is we get Blinded, where we can't see anybody or anything around us because we are so focused on making sure that we have the specifics of the law done. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did in the Gospels. There was a woman that was caught in adultery. They dragged her out before Jesus and threw her down and said, Moses said we should stone her. Mm-hmm. We all know how that story conspires. But that's what looking at the specifics do. Those Pharisees were probably loving to their family. They were probably, some of them probably even had wonderful personalities, just nice guys, good old boys. But they were so consumed with the specifics of the law that they had blinders on to the needs of anybody around them. There are people that I know, people that you know, even at times myself, 
and probably at times yourself, that we get blinders on. We don't see the people around us. We don't see even our friends that seem to be hurting. We don't see these things because we are so consumed with the specifics of what we believe the law to be and not the spirit of what the law actually is. Paul kind of concludes this thought in verse number 10. He says, Love worketh no ill. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. So Paul uses this term, fulfilling the law, twice in this section of Scripture. What Paul is not saying is that we, if we are loving to everyone, that we don't need Jesus. That's not what Paul's saying at all. The words Paul uses here is actually filling up the law. Not fulfilling like we looked at Christ in Romans chapter number 4 had completed. He was the terminal of the law. He was the completion of the law. The law is yes and amen in Christ. What Paul is telling us here is that it is the filling up of the law. From where people look at the law and they see empty... If we love, they're going to look at the law and say, fool. It's like going and filling up your gas tank. You're filling up the law. You see, there's, there's three understandings of the law that we have to understand when we look at Scripture. The law plays three different roles throughout the whole Bible. Number one, the law is there to curb gross immorality. And we looked at that last week. That's what the government's for. The government is there so that those who are out killing and stealing and doing this gross immorality, the law is there to say, hey, you are not to kill people. You're not to steal from people. You're not to perjure yourself. There's The law is there to, 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 to curb our nature, to keep us from imploding upon ourselves. To keep everybody and their brother from running 110 miles an hour down 29 and killing children because they don't know where they're going or how fast they're going or any of these things. The law is there to curb that kind of mayhem. And in Scripture, the law is there to curb that kind of mayhem. Secondly, though, the law, and this is where we get things so confused at times, the law is to be a mirror. So it's there to curb, but it's also there to mirror. What we are called to do when we look into the law, namely, is to see how bad we measure up with it. When I look into the law, I should see despair and failure because I don't keep it. Don't even come close. Horrible, horrible, horrible at doing any of those little details of the law, I fail every single day. But the law is there as a mirror so that we can see how we really look. And it points us to the gospel. We see our failures, it points us to his success. And we talked about this kind of thing this morning. But thirdly, the law is to be a, for the Christian, is to be a guidepost. And this is what Paul is saying. And this, honestly, this explains even the book of James. James says that it's by works that your faith is justified. That's what, that's what James said. There's been people that have debated whether James was saying that you had to work to be saved. There's other people that have said, well, if you're not working, then obviously you're not saved because you're not proving it. 
James even says later on, he says that because Abraham did what God said, he was the friend of God. But we read over it with our own perception is what we do. If we go and actually look at James chapter number 2 and go look, make sure that I'm right. But what the Bible tells us is that we are fulfilling the law before men. The ones who said that Abraham was the friend of God was the people that saw what he did. God didn't say Abraham is my friend and the rest of you aren't my friend. Abraham didn't say I'm God's friend because he talks to me and the rest of y'all can just... I'm not going to use that kind of language, sorry. I, I, anyway, I'll, I'll tell y'all later. I, I said something at Cameron Doolis Church one time and I've never lived it down. But the rest of y'all can, can go eat a rock. Anyway. Way off, I'm, I'm, I'm losing it here. Um, <clears throat> what James was saying is, if you say that you love God, if you say that you're a Christian, you say that you have faith, your faith is worthless to the man across the street. You say, I am a Christian, I dress like a Christian, I act like a Christian. Your Christianity is worthless to anybody outside of the church, to anybody other than yourself. That's what James is saying. You are not filling up the law. People look at you and they see an empty car. They, an empty car in my driveway, which typically my cars in my driveway are empty because I don't get gas. I, anyway. But those cars will do you no good. They're not going to get you anywhere. I cannot get to work if I get into my car on Monday morning and turn it on and it says fuel level low. I'm not going to be able to get all the way to work. It's not going to get me there because it's not full. And what Paul is telling us, that we're to love one another so that when people look at us, they see the law filled. If we're loving them, we can get them where they need to go. They can actually see Christ's love in us because it's full. We're not fulfilling it in such a way that we can become saved because of what we do, or we're better Christians because of what we do. But Paul is legitimately just saying that those around you are going to have more use for you if you're loving them than if you're dressing right and doing right. That's what Paul is saying. Martin Luther actually made the statement. He said, good works are not for God. They're for your neighbor. God doesn't need your good works. God said something about your good works. He said they were junk. He said they are filthy rags. Your good works... I don't need them. I don't want them. They're junk. Yeah. You know who does need them? It's the guy next door. Yes, sir. Your coworker. Yes, sir. That waiter, waitress at the restaurant that everybody has been completely rude to. That family member that has been burned by church so many times that they can't even count anymore. Those are the ones that need the love of God. And if we get so consumed with the specifics of the law and not the spirit of the law, and we're so consumed with only seeing ourselves and never looking out and seeing anyone and their needs, then Paul tells us we missed it. He's like, you're not filling up the law. You think by checking off all these specifics, your spiritual gas tank is running on full. But in reality, you can't get anywhere. You're sitting there behind the wheel. You may look good. You may have your sunglasses on. You may even have your seat in the exact right position. And don't even have your blinkers on. 
but you ain't doing anybody any good. That's what Paul's telling us here. He's saying you owe every man, woman, whoever you come in contact with, you owe them to be showing them the law filled in you. Christ fulfilled the law for us. He's fulfilling the law in us when we rest in him. And you owe it to every single person that you come in contact with that you be resting in the love of Christ so the love of Christ is displayed through you. That's the gospel in us. That's what it does. In all honesty, the most dangerous person sitting in any church service across this county, across this state, across the world, the most dangerous person sitting in any church service is the one that thinks they've got it all together. They're the ones that are going to hurt you the most. Those are the ones that are going to be the most vicious. Paul even says in Philippians chapter number 3, he tells them, he says, Rejoice in the Lord. And in the very next verse, he says, beware of dogs. Well, what happened in the Philippian churches, there was these dogs that would run around all over the place. And they were concerned with grabbing up trash. But what had happened is because they were in an, an urban area, they had become vicious. Paul said that there are people around you. And he goes on to tell them that it's those people who are self-righteous. He said those are people around you that are going to try and attack your joy. Because you found no joy in Christ. He says keep your joy in Christ, but be on the lookout because people are going to try and take that from you. And if we're not careful, we become those same dogs that are stealing everything from everybody we're in contact with. We literally suck the life out of people who have had the life sucked out of them every day because we're so consumed with ourselves. That's what Paul's saying here. It's pretty simple what he's getting at. He's In three words, he's saying love each other. If you want to show everybody the law, what the law looks like field, if you really want to show people the, the fullness of what Christ has done, love people. That's it. It's simple. How do we love people? When we see that Christ loved us. It's not difficult. It's not, we, make it, we make it way harder than it has to be. And it's no wonder. It's a lot harder for a horse to push a car than to pull a car. Well, that's what we do. We hook it up the wrong way every day. And we get to the end of the day, it was like, well, I only made it half of the way, but look at dude back here. <laughs> he can make it a quarter of the way. I'm way better than him. Oh, and look, this guy, he's right beside of me. But we're the same. That's the reason people hook up like they do, is because they see people who have blinders on too and are only caring about their specifics. So they hook up with the other people that have just their specifics. And then you have a whole church culture that is completely from the pit of hell. That's what happens. What the call of Scripture is to us tonight, what we ought to bring away from this text tonight, again, is simple. Look at Christ. See Christ's love for you and love other people. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be back into...